They call me Dr. Closet. I really, really love the life I live. And if you're feeling negative, I got the remedy for you. They call me Dr. Closet. I'm, incredi- I'm an incredibly positive person, you know. And I actually love my life and I've loved my life all my life. When you're in a situation where you're in a wheelchair and you're getting judged every day from society, then it's hard. I don't see how someone who hasn't even been in that arena could come up to me and say, well, why don't you just go out and get your own girlfriend, man? And it's just <laughs> yeah, like, kiss, say, yeah. kiss my ass. You know? <laughs> I like this guy. You know? It's <laughs> <laughs> my ass. Hi, everyone, and welcome to According to Asta. This is my fourth episode, and probably it's got to be the best episode to date because I'm so proud to welcome uh, not only a person who I admire and I've followed for a while, but also this person stars in my movie, Come As You Are, Gabori Sidibe. How are you? I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah, amongst this, amongst all this kind of coronavirus madness how how you because you're in chicago right yeah i actually got kind of in chicago because i'm too afraid to fly home so so, (laughs) that's tricky (laughs) yeah i mean like either either way when i'm definitely gonna drive home to california from chicago which is going to be kind of a nightmare because my poor cat will have to sit in the back seat for like a two day so yeah i'm hanging out in chicago (laughs) (laughs) yeah they they, the cat cats just hate traveling don't they so like she your cat's gonna be like really annoyed (laughs) yeah although he he like he does not like planes he has tried a bit but he doesn't of planes he can travel in the car a little easier um because i can let him out to walk around and stuff so i think he'll probably be fine maybe he'll he'll, he'll survive the journey right <laughs> yeah yeah he'll survive He's cute none of us will survive so <laughs> <laughs> he's cute he's really cute now gabby like uh, uh back in 2017 i think it was i I had all of my toes amputated all in one go. Oh no. And uh yeah, and um at the time I was uh I had my I had my own business and yeah, we we came home after I'd been in hospital and my friend Amy who was with me, we said we're like what are we going to do? So we were like we switched Netflix on and we came across this series called American Horror Story. Like, it, it probably wasn't the best <laughs> series to watch after I just have all my toes yeah, hacked off. maybe not. <laughs> but, <laughs> like... Your healing process is your healing process, so... Right, right. <laughs> so my my first kind of um, vision of you was um, on American Horror Story, and then when Grant told me that, you know, you, you were going to play Sam in... Uh, come as you are. I was like, oh my god! I watched Gabore in bloody American Horror as Queenie. How amazing! Like, <laughs> it's like, during my during my pain, like this has come out of it. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> well, so glad I how, how, how be there for you in your rough times. I guess. 
You were you were you were there for me, Gabby. Honestly, well, you how was how was American Horror Story? Like, is that like? Because I was thinking when I was watching it, like, how do you be an actor in that and come out like I don't know for want of a better word, like normal? Oh no, I'm not normal. <laughs> I didn't start normal. Certainly didn't come out of that show being normal. <laughs> um. But the, you know what? Yes, American Horror Story is a scary show to watch. It is, but like filming anything, it takes all the magic out of things. You know, it takes right. the suspense and surprise and a scary stuff out of filming. And so, whenever there's like a you know like a surgery or a gun, like I guess I was, I think the last one of the last few episodes of American Horror Story I did, I got shot in the stomach. I slipped my own throat and then I slipped my own throat and then I got shot in the stomach. And so, that's, you know, <laughs> that's a good way to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been killed on that show quite a few different ways and times, but uh, certainly like when you're shot and you have to slit your own throat, like there's like a mechanism that they build uh, and they put on my neck uh, and it's got a pump, it's like a metal piece and there's a pump, uh, and a pipe sort of connected to it. The pipe goes down the back of my shirt, down my leg pants and a foot pump that is also connected to a vat of blood, a fake blood that is usually corn syrup. And so wow. <laughs> whenever blood spurts <laughs> out, oh, there's also like a latex piece over, over my neck, over the whole metal piece. So I can... I cut that open and then they pump blood through. And all of that takes, like the process to get that all done is probably five hours long, but it shows up on screen for 10 seconds or so. And so um, it's not as scary to uh, film as it is to watch, I guess. (laughs) That's amazing. God, you you wouldn't think like, well, I would, but like to, to, your Andre punter, you wouldn't think like that would that all of that would take five hours, just like you say, for ten seconds on screen. But yeah, it's a lot. It's a gigantic process. It takes a lot of different artists, you know, makeup artists, so uh, special effects artists, and, who are also really also like mechanics. <laughs> like it's it's a lot. It's, it's quite <laughs> a lot that goes into every second of that show and all shows and so it's not as scary when you're doing it although i am a gigantic uh wuss are you sometimes when i'm walking through the american horror story set uh i'll like one of my favorite (laughs) friends who's also one of the uh writers on the show and producers john gray he once walked me through the set of freak show and it was like my first day there oh my god walking (laughs) through a set like it wasn't it wasn't a big deal but i would walk into like a dark place and i saw i saw my own shadow and screamed because (laughs) because we were just a set that i'd never been in before and also like the freak show set was very very freaky um in a lot, and not just you know, I'm not talking about the people, but certainly the sets were kind of scary and crazy and dark and very big. And so, sure, there are times where I'm scared, but <laughs> but when I'm acting, <laughs> maybe like I don't know, I, I think like especially 
times like this during the the C word. I don't even like to say it now. The the coronavirus. Like I I think I think this is almost like a freak show. Like we've all been locked in our like places where we live, like prisoners. It's just I wake up every day and like I'm thinking, shit, this is like Groundhog Day. <laughs> Yeah, no, every day you, is exactly the same. But I also, like... How are you, how are you coping with it? Exactly yesterday. But, and tomorrow will probably look a lot like today, but I also am very terrified of what tomorrow will bring. It's just the nothingness of tomorrow that is scary. Mm. Well, I guess I, I thought that, and then I guess, you know, I, I've always been one to um, try and educate myself to live in the moment because that's 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 really the key isn't it and that's where i kind of that's where i kind of get my solace from and then once i'm reset back in the moment because i suffer from anxiety and i've suffered from depression and stuff like so it's like i i try to and it is an education it's like i i try to discipline myself to live in the moment and then somehow it kind of resets things again well, I've dealt with anxiety for the entirety of my life and mm. usually have a pretty good grasp on it. And uh, I have a therapist and she's extremely helpful. And I have, you know, whenever I am having a panic attack, I have ways to get myself through it. I also know what n- what not to do to incite a uh a panic attack but this period is very hard (laughs) all of the quarantine and all this stuff is a very very hard uh period to live in like i i'm from new york originally and Mm. my second week of college was september 9-11 like September 11th, 2001. Wow. And so, and the, my school was in fact crushed and I school for nearly a month because half of it became a triage. And I remember being in New York and being terrified of what could happen next. What, what's going to happen next? Like what's going to happen? Like, and how's it going to happen? And when is it going to happen? But there was always wow. sort of an escape plan because, because, if I were yeah. to be in New York, then I could go to Florida or I can go to Africa or I could go to London or I can go anywhere else in the world. But the coronavirus is is it's so bad. there is no safety <laughs> anywhere else. There's no like you mean like there's no exit plan. There's no place that I can go on this entire planet where I will be. <laughs> and so I think the bigness of it has really um pulled up uh my anxiety and sort of exacerbated it and it does not help me at all to stay in the moment like not oh shit ignore that advice not, I mean, like, no, it's what, whatever works for you works for you however i have been and like it's been i mean i I almost never leave the house. I only leave the house to go shopping. And even then, as I'm like driving into my car, I, I'm about to catch a, a panic attack, but I can't. I have to breathe my way out of it because it's dangerous to drive in panic at the same time. Yeah, right. And, um, <laughs> but what has helped me is I, every day I build myself a schedule. Like every day mm-hmm. I, 
I set things for myself to do. I work out at 11 a.m. I work out from 11 a.m. to 11.40. And then I'll have breakfast. And then I'll watch something and I'll play at 6 p.m. I meditate at 8 p.m. I read a book. At 3 p.m. I might do a vocal lesson. At at 9, I play with my I play with my cat. Like I have to have like these weird set things. Otherwise, I'll just go yeah. crazy. No, I've I've heard that uh, from a lot of people actually that you know the 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 routine and the keeping busy is actually is actually helping uh, a lot actually. Um, no, that that's really that that's probably really helpful for people to hear that your kind of method of getting getting through it, especially suffering from anxiety. So what what where were you at before this? Like we you you're doing Empire right? Yep. Yeah. Yes. So it is the season of empire it's also the finale uh the finale is to air is this season week. six yeah season six and finishing the show entirely the problem is <laughs> so we usually shoot uh until march this year we're going to shoot two extra episodes because it's the finale we somehow only ended up shooting 18 out of 20 and then the shutdown started happening and I think we thought that we were it was going to last maybe a week or two and we'd be back to work we are not and Empire shoots in um in Chicago which is how I got trapped here and (laughs) all of my castmates have left I'm the only one still here Really? Well, yeah. Well, one, my boyfriend is from Chicago, so he's here, which is nice. And it feels like, I mean, at the very beginning of the quarantine, it also felt like it was much more dangerous to be in California or New York. I'm from New York, but I live in California. But my mom and my brother and my dad are in New York. And so I figured if I stay in Chicago, I can, if I need to get to New York for any reason for my family, I can drive there. Uh, it's close right. enough rather than going to LA and then, I don't know, trying to figure out how to get a flight without getting the virus. <laughs> no. mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. New York's drivable, isn't it? Um, yeah. From Chicago you, uh, it is. Yes. Are you in lockdown with your boyfriend then? Yeah. Oh, that helps. That That's cool. Yeah. It's I, I, nice. I had this like vision. I know I've, I've seen pictures on instagram about her and then i had this vision like oh my god is she like locked down by herself like with the cat i <laughs> know oh, i would be out of my mind i i think about it all the time i think i mean like because i also like my boyfriend's like virtually kind of new he's new here i tell him all the time he's not actually he's not new here <laughs> but like, known each other over a year however i always I just say thank god that you're here if i didn't have him if i didn't have my cat i would just be out of my mind i would be stone cold crazy and in fact if i didn't have him and just the cat i would i would have adopted another cat by now i would have absolutely adopted <laughs> just to break up just like cuz like we need I, I i like to be entertained by and my cat really likes other cats and so i was thinking of getting him a kitten so that he learns responsibility anyway so yeah but then 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 you kind of i don't know you might kind of move away from like your cat showing you as much as attention <laughs> so it's, there's a risk isn't there with like yeah i know and also my cat has a my cat 
has such a like he's such an interesting personality he's a lot like a dog much more than a cat like he's he doesn't hide from people he doesn't like even if there's someone over that he does not like he will not leave me with them he'll stand between me and the other person <laughs> like he's very protective and he also is very talkative like he talks all the time like you carry on a conversation with him and so i don't want a cat that's not as fun as him (laughs) he's amazing for anyone like who's interested in (laughs) gabby's cat just follow her on instagram it's the most incredible cat i've ever seen (laughs) it must it must reflect his owner though like kind of because you know the cats kind of pick up things don't they and they have a sixth sense about things around them and who they're living with yeah it's really it's really interesting to watch because i mean like i've never had a baby and i i didn't really ever have a pet growing i had a cat for a while when i was a kid but like i you know i'd never had really (laughs) and so watching him and realizing that he has his own like personality that there he's not very different from a human being because he figures things out and he he lies sometimes he tries to you know he gets himself in trouble <laughs> and then he does he's like a, he's pretty rambunctious he's really interesting but also he's a lot like me which i think is funny which is really funny. <laughs> see exactly <laughs> he reflects you right <laughs> like the brother, which is stupid too he bullies my boyfriend like like the second, the second my boyfriend wakes up, my cat will follow him and scream at him until he rubs him. And one time he refused to, so Aaron just attacked him. He was yelling at him, "Please touch me, please touch me!" And he, so he just jumped on him and like, and, and Aaron's not at all like violent. He never, he's never scratched me or bit me on purpose, but he fully attacked my boyfriend for not listening to him. Which is exactly something I would do. So, well, your boyfriend knows his place with the cat now, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Were you, how long? How long? <laughs> how long were you look? Were you actually looking for a relationship before you met your boyfriend, or is it kind of like was? Did it happen organically, or that happened pretty organically? I'd say. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I was like looking for a relationship i was sort of just looking to uh i was just kind of looking to date kind of because i yeah. hadn't for ever and and i also like wasn't very i wasn't like very open to dating kind of i'm not very open uh, i don't know i think it, i don't even think it was that i didn't like anybody i think i was just like really busy and i remember promising my therapist that i would try to date after season five of Empire, because I was gonna, because wow. we have, we have like two or three months off in between, and I was like, I guess I'm done with work, so I'm gonna concentrate on dating. And I kind of meant to just have kind of a hoe phase, like I kind of meant to just date a lot of people <laughs> at the same time. But you know, we've all I'm, had hoe phases. Like. <laughs> I've had like you know we've been I've been through the Tinder phase. <laughs> so I guess yeah, I guess you could call that the the whole phase. <laughs> yeah, and like I haven't done Tinder. I always I, I do try to live by care friends who do do Tinder. Like one of my best friends, she met, him and and she was on Tinder. <laughs> also on like Coffee Meets Bagel, Bagel, and all these different things. And 
would never do that. I could never, ever, ever do that. But then I did meet my boyfriend on it, on Instagram-y sort of dating sites. So there's that. Oh, cool. Really? Yeah, I guess. What was that? <laughs> they work, I guess. And then it was, it kind of was, it was interesting. I kind of, I, I, I think that it worked and it felt really organic because it's not like I was sort of hungry for a relationship or thirsty for a boyfriend. And so it happened, sorry, my friend who I just, who just met her husband on Bumble just called me. That's funny. I must have talked her up. Airplane mode. So uh, I think it was because, I think it was because it, it was very relaxed. It was a very sort of time. Like we dated for a bit. I didn't even know we were dating. I just thought we were hanging out. But then he would tweet that he left a date. And I'd be like, with who? <laughs> wow. Turns out it was me. Really? And then, <laughs> it's good. We're in a good place. I like him a lot. I like him quite a lot. Like, does good, it, you know, don't you? When you when you met the right person, you definitely know. Like, yeah, like he, you know, it click, it click. Yeah, I it we we click very well. How how was Tinder for you? Um, pretty much uh, as Tinder says on the can. Really, um, it it was just very much uh, a physical experience for me. Like. I met someone from kind of the local area. She came round. We had a couple of glasses of wine. We had sex. And then it kind of fizzled out. Like So, <laughs> so I, c- I can safely say that I've had the authentic Tinder experience. <laughs> now, were you meaning to just hook up? Like, were you meaning to just, like, sort of fool around and have sex with someone? Or were you meaning to get into a relationship? Well, no. Like, the, the I was <laughs> I was meaning to get into a relationship, but... As soon as like a couple of them were actually not all there, like so, a, a bit, a bit kind of psychoy. So, ah, I, and then you I thought, were meeting crazy this women. is just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was one woman who was like obsessed with people who had a disability, specifically my disability, which I thought was like, was like, yeah, that was that was a bit weird. So that could have like. It could have worked, but it it, it didn't work because she was just weird. No, yeah, I, you don't want to be fetishized. Right, exactly. That's weird. I've it, it, it. a few men who like people with my specific body type, and it's always, I know some women don't, well, I know some people in general don't mind being fetishized for the right. that makes them unique and different. Um, I think it's <laughs> Like, I hate it. I personally don't like yeah. it. Yeah. Because it's it's so one note. It's like, oh, my only value is this body or my only value is, you know, this heritage or this skin type or whatever. And it's it's just like your only value to that woman was was your condition. And yeah. it's weird. It's like, but what if what if I didn't what if I wasn't like this? Like what if I didn't have this? Would I be valuable to you? Would I be interesting to you if I didn't like, you know, like, would yeah. I have any worth to you outside of this chair? Exactly. Exactly. That, that's exactly, that's exactly why I didn't, it didn't work. No. But, I'm, you know, I'm still kind of, I'm still yet to meet the one, but I, 
I really believe that that one is out there, you know, and I, I'm I'm just I'm just chilled in my own kind of space at the moment until 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 it happens because I'm a believer in when when it happens it's for the in the right moment and the right time. Yeah, it. W- I mean, like it will. I I think for years and like my uh, my boyfriend is very he's like a very and I like him. I mean, I love him, but also, like, I think what's more important is that I like him. And mm, yeah, he is—he's um, great in a lot of ways. And I don't think that I believe that he was real until he sort of came into fruition. Wow! So no, you don't, do you? Yeah, I'm the same. Like, it, it's almost like when you do meet that person because I've met. I've met a couple of people, but and when you do meet that person, you think, "Wow, is this person just being created on the planet for me? Like, how how could they have been on the planet all this time and I've never known about them? Like, we've wasted all these years without each other." <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's exactly. I I tell my boyfriend all the time that he's actually not a real person; that he's just a figment of my imagination, and that I in fact <laughs> created him, and so. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is your holodeck from Star Trek. Like you just go in and create anything you want, and you've created the the perfect guy for you. Like yeah. that's that's some that's some talent, Gabby. Yeah, no, I'm pretty amazing. It's like there's, there's, I can't remember the name of it, but there was this John Candy movie that I was like obsessed with when I was a kid, and he was a writer, and he would he realized that everything he wrote in his typewriter was becoming true. So he would like write the perfect girl from, for him and the perfect like romantic date and all of these things and all he think all he had to do was go back to his typewriter and write it. And that's sort of what <laughs> that's what Well that's that's really funny you should say that because it's almost that almost kind of wraps back around to the I don't know, you've probably heard of it, the law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Um and you you know you you, you you imagine it enough and you, you think it enough and, you know, and attract it enough, it happens, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like putting together a vision board. I don't know if you've ever done one of those things. Yes. Yes. I love a vision board. I love them. It's, but I, the first one I made, I didn't even get to finish it. It was, I maybe glued two or three things together. And then a year later, I found it and realized that all of those things, the very minimalist, you know, vision board that I had created all come true. And I've been sort of, you know, I write down literally everything I want. Most things I want, I get. So the the things on your vision board came true? Yeah, a lot. Yes. Wow. See, it works. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Who the I think, hell? yeah, I think the law of attraction is real. And I think that it's, I also think it's subconscious. Like somewhere in the back of my brain, I want a, like I want to write a book. And so I posted books on on my vision board and then forgot <laughs> wow. about it. And then the next thing I know, I was writing a book. And it wasn't, it wasn't even in the front of my mind. It sort of was in the back for some reason my psyche was working overtime to make sure that that thing at the back of my happened. Wow. That's so incredible. Like, cause it, I never like, other than my mom and dad, I never have a conversation like this uh, with someone who actually believes anytime I mention like stuff like this, they're like, Oh, get out of here. It's bullshit. <laughs> you know, it was like, 
you know, so it's actually refreshing to talk to someone <laughs> who yeah. actually believes it can work. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that there, 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 well, for me, at least, there has been enough evidence um, in my life that I've been blessed to collect that would uh, allow me to continue to believe uh, that maybe anything is possible. But also, I think that, I think for people that are like, oh, that's just bullshit, I think that there is such a profound fear in hope and being hopeful that some people just can't take doing it because if you hope this thing happens out loud and it never happens, then I guess that makes you an asshole or it. Yeah. Do you you think that it's the fear of kind of either the, the, the hope not happening or yeah, or rejection or. Yeah. I think rejection is extremely scary for a lot of people, for people that are not used to but also I I think that a lot of people I think people want to be right and so I think people usually stack the deck so that they can be right and things that they might be wrong about they don't count those chips wow I love that that's incredible I love your outlook on life thanks (laughs) and is, is that how you've got to like where you are now like with the acting roles you've had, the directing, because I know you've directed Empire as well, and yeah, just maybe. kind of kept kept the positive vision and the the attraction to, towards these goals. I think so because I, you know what, part of the things that I've attracted have not all come by me saying that's what I'm going to do one day. This one day I'm going to do that. One day I'm going to get this. A lot of the things I've attracted have uh, come me saying that would never be me I would never do this I could never do that and I don't I don't know why I think I think that that although like I have a I have a really I have one of my friends is a numerologist and he's um really incredible and incredibly insightful and he says all the time that the universe uh or whatever that's listening to you gets confused. So if you say to right. the universe, no more snails, please, all they heard were more snails, please. And so now you're getting snails. And so I don't know if that makes any right. sense. But I think that no, it does. I said, I, and I remember right before, literally right before I became an actress, I remember I was like 24, 23 or something. And I... I think I'd seen some actors in a magazine or something. And I said to myself, you know what? That's never going to be you. So you're going to have to figure out how to live in a world where you will never be any of these people. You will never be taken care of like this. You will never be seen. You'll never do any of this stuff. And the thing is like, it wasn't even my, my desire. I had no actor. I had no, I no desire to be in the business that I'm in at all. But really? I, yeah, none. I kind of, though I, I kind of, um, I wanted what, what I think we think along with fame and fortune, you know, the, that easy life, you know, not waiting in lines. I don't, I didn't want to be famous, but I sort of wanted what I thought came along with it. And right. something happened. I convinced myself, I was like, that's never going to happen to you. So you might as well go down to, 
I don't know, the post office and get an application or something, or you might as well just go and, (laughs) you know, go back to school and get a degree because that's not going to be you. And in maybe two months, I randomly got a call to go on some audition in the first place because I was I wasn't an acting student. I just knew a bunch of people who were. <laughs> I, knew, wow. I was friends with a lot of people from this one theater uh, at a college that my best friend happened to go to. I was like a, I was, you know, just like some shitty 22 year old and I would get bored. So I would sometimes do plays with these people. It was never supposed, I didn't even go to that school. I was. Wow. I didn't even think of it. Wow. It just wasn't, it wasn't a real thing. But I went to the audition anyway. I went, I auditioned on Monday and I was hired that Wednesday. And we started shooting, wow. uh, we started shooting two or three weeks later. And I didn't know until the last day of shooting that they had gone on a, uh, like they had gone on like this, sort of American tour of finding right. this role. And this role happened to be uh, for the film Precious. Or wow. It was my first of audition. I was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, right. Actress Oscar. Right. Uh, after. But, but it was... <laughs> And I, again, I had no desire to be an actor. I wasn't trying to, was not trying to be a part of this world. And it happened simply because I told myself that I could never be. And so I have no real, I really have no choice but to leave in the impossible because the impossible constantly happens. Right. I love that. That's amazing. What an incredible story. Um, what, what, so like, I know you played Sam in our movie, Come As You Are. Um, how how did that come about? Uh, how did it come about? So, I, um, <laughs> let's see what happened. I don't remember. I think I sent the no. script, and I knew that it was based on the Belgian film. And so, I believe that they also sent me the Belgian film to to see. And I read the script, and I just thought it was really funny but I also thought it was I thought it was like really honest in a lot of ways and I think it's it's one of those things we don't think about because we don't like to think about because the majority of us who are it's not me if I'm saying something offensive but who are able bodied I think we look at people who are not and we feel sorry for them and that's sort of the end. Yeah. Instead. Totally. And, and the thing is like, I'm sure you don't need anyone to feel sorry for you, but more than that, when you feel sorry for someone, it keeps you from humanizing them. Right. It dehumanizes. Right people. And so if you, if I'm just sorry for you for whatever reason, then you don't get to be human in my eyes. And so I don't have to think about any of the human desires that I have and attribute them to you. Right. Or anyone outside of me. No, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I think the main reason I did it was because I had a lot of people coming up to me and saying, 
what? You can have kids? Mm. Really? And I'm like, yes, I'm not dead. <laughs> you know, I've, I have these, I have these, these desires and these feelings like any, any other human being. And I, you, 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 you made the movie for me. It was just like, it was, you, you can you had that incredible balance of, uh, the humor and it was just so funny. And then the, the incredible sensitive side of, um, when you were with Mo, like it was just, it was, it was a really beautifully balanced performance to me. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I know more than anything, I just wanted to be as honest as I could as someone who's in that position, as someone who is, you know, for whatever reason, she's, you know, out of really nursing <laughs> because of, you know, yeah. stabbing her ex-husband, but also she, because this is what she does for a living, she can humanize her patients. She can because she sees them as being no different than herself. And I think that only, I think that, I think that there are maybe not enough people who can have that sight do you know it's 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 my when you're talking about people with disabilities and the subject sex it's a, a lot of the times the barrier is uh, it's probably not from from a bad point of view but it, it's the the parents um stop stop this kind of um this desire that, that to to keep going forward that these the people with disabilities want like i had a friend who he he talked to his parents about sex and stuff and he wanted that experience with uh, a sex worker before he passed away because he had muscular dystrophy and she they were just completely like you know no not at all mm-hmm. it's not happening you know we're gonna carry on wrapping you up in bubble wrap and you know it, it's just we're not going there so i, I think hopefully come as you are can be you know a door opener on that level and maybe and maybe educational you know i mean i hope so i think that i think that for a lot of people it's hard to it's hard to keep your parents from looking at you as a toddler mm-hmm. and i think that when your parents are probably in the caregiving role for i don't know uh it amplifies it a little bit more, yeah. doesn't it? And it's like you are made of glass, and also like you know that there is that um, that there might not be as much time as you want with your mm-hmm. loved one, yeah. and so and yeah, I, I I think yeah, I think it's. I mean, I can't really speak to that, uh, but I know I have I have, I have a cousin who her oldest daughter. Uh, has I don't I'm I'm not sure the name what she has, but she, she she's like 15 and she stopped her and she's like in a wheelchair and she stopped her periods, right? So that but and and she was telling me about it like she's gonna have to have the surgery she's gonna have to do this thing so that she doesn't get her menstrual cycle and. I mean, I certainly can't say whether it's for the best or the worst, but it's interesting that some some 
people have to make those decisions for their children because they're unable to make the, the decision for themselves. But for so many of us, it's just a normal, it's a normal part of growing up. It's a normal part of being a person in the world. And not everyone has as much control over, over puberty. as we- mm, No, absolutely not. It's, it's, it's scary in a way, isn't it? Cause it, that, I don't know. I ask myself a lot, will it ever change? And like, there's got to be, a, there's got to be a line for me as well, where I, I, uh, I look after myself, like, and help myself get a relationship now because I've put, I've put so much out there, like on the disability front and the relationship front. It's like, I kind of need to the home, the home, the battery charges back to me a little now. I get that. <laughs> Because you can be in because you can be in control of it. Yeah, right. What I have to ask you this, Gabby. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm really sorry if you're like sick of talking about it, but did you work on a sex line? I did. <laughs> this is brilliant. Like, and because I've I've seen obviously I've I've seen interviews with you and stuff. But one question I don't think anyone's asked you like, what's the craziest request you had on the? Sex I know line? plenty of people have asked me that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so for one, yes, I worked for a fun sex company. I I began working there when I was twenty one, I believe. It was twenty one, maybe it was like right before my twenty second birthday. And it was I started as a talker, but I so like the what's, talk what's a talker? Talkers are like the girls that pick up the phone for the guy. Like they're the girl they're the ones. Which is different than an right. operator operator will take your credit card information and if you have a request for a certain girl we'll put you in touch with that girl right <laughs> but i was a talker <laughs> and the talker was sort of the entry level it's of the company and it so like anyone that wanted to work there and only hired women uh but, but and only <laughs> men, men were only hired to be security and they had to come through someone, some woman that worked there. So there was like a right. guy that there were two guys that did security, and one guy was a, one of the talkers' uh, boyfriends, and the other security guy was that same talker's son. And so, right, right. Uh, so if you're a talker, <laughs> that's how you get in. And a lot of people were talking on the phone for 10, 15 something years. Uh, wow. and there are promotions that you can get like there's cause it's, run, it's a real company. So there are operators, isn't it, one department, isn't it, ex- hmm? isn't it exhausting? Like you say people have done it for years. Like, isn't it exhausting? I mean, if you've done the one job, I assume. Yes. I, however, I was there for two months and I was promoted to receptionist. So I didn't right. have as many phone sex calls. <laughs> so, you know, right. my, my job <laughs> became very clerical. And then I became a monitor. Now the monitors are the ones who listen in on the phone calls for quality assurance. And also for um, their FCC regulations that the girls on the phone have to abide by. Right. And so I became a monitor. (laughs) And then at some point, but there's also the training department that will train, you know, new girls to, to talk on the phone and also if oh, wow. numbers are down run run me through a training <laughs> so a training so like a tra- so a training is it differs between uh people who are 
interviewing to become talkers and right. people who whose numbers are getting low. By numbers, I mean how long you can keep a customer on the phone. Because I think a lot right. of time you think a phone says, okay, so you just have to, you pick up the phone and you get the guy off. Nope. That's not what I'm there. <laughs> I'm on the phone to keep the guy on as long as possible. Because the second he gets off, he's going to hang up the phone. And then my call is over, which means I'm no longer gaining Making money, money from minutes. Right. So, and a lot of, so if a, a girl's numbers are getting low, it means she's either not interesting to talk to enough or she is getting the guys off too fast. And so right. you would train for it. <laughs> and like honestly, it's just it's it's training in how to have a conversation. It's a fine balance, isn't it? It sounds like <laughs> it's um it's actually a lot of a lot of the skills that I learned there are extremely helpful today. Wow. I have not wow. done in over a decade. They're extreme. What it taught me was how to do interviews. What it taught wow. me was how to improv. It taught me a lot of things. It taught me how to be the person that the person on the other line, on the other side of the phone needs me to be. And sometimes I have interviews where I have to be whatever that person, whoever is asking me the questions, I have to be whatever they need me to be in three minutes so that I can move on to the next camera. And then, or less, right. um, it taught me to never answer a question saying yes or no. That's right. that takes too little time. So, uh, and the same thing with yeah. interviews. Like, if if I'm being interviewed and someone asks me a question, like, so do you love New York? I'm not going to say yes. What I would say is, I love New York so much because I'm from there and it's my home and Rockefeller Center's one of my places. And like you would, yeah. I would elaborate. And so that's what you do on the phones too, because all of those things clock minutes. Minutes means money. That's amazing. You've took that kind of, you've took that away from that, and you're using using it in 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 your life now, your career. That's that's great. It's extremely. I mean, like it's it's extremely helpful. Like what I do for, because I'm an actor. I think like if you really really burn my job is. My job is to walk into a room and make those people in that room like me more than the person they last saw and more than the person that they will see next. That's what an audition is. So when I'm on the phone, it's the same thing. I need to make this guy like me enough to continue to talk to me, to hang up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rape him for every single minute that he's got. I'm going to take all right. two hours of his minutes and then tell, give him my girl number and have him call me back. That way I can right. before I even say hello. <laughs> you, that was a great insight into that Gabby thank you so much <laughs> yeah I've had, I mean oh, like well. it's hard to tell which call was the worst but there were there were quite a few that were very gross <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> what was your what was your favorite part of filming come as you are I liked all the driving scenes they were great. Yeah, I'm not the greatest driver. And, and <laughs> I, well, because I'm also, I'm from New York. And so I'm, 
I didn't learn how to drive. I didn't get my license until right before I turned 30. And, you know, because it's New York, like I don't, you take the subway, you take the bus, like you walk everywhere. Um, And I remember for the first few weeks of shooting, they had no idea whether or not I actually had a license or not because I kept joking and being like, okay, so like, (laughs) is someone going to teach me how to drive it? And they're like, (laughs) they thought I was joking, but then they thought that I was not joking. But as it turns out, I'm like really just not a great driver anyway. And those van, the vans were like gigantic. It was gigantic. And then there were no seat belts in the back. There are no seat wheelchairs. (laughs) And so um, it was quite scary. And one night, one night it was Ravi and I uh, driving around. We were doing this scene. It must have been four in the morning. And the entire crew was in the back. It was wow. Rich Wong, the director, who is also the cinematographer. So he yeah. the camera. The sound person is in the back. The script supervisor is in the back. The producer is in the back. The AD is in the back. And we're driving down this drive. And the AD, we're finally done. And so I'm going to drive to home base and the AD gives me the wrong directions and so I have to turn around in this really really thin narrow road and we have a follow van and then another follow van and all of a sudden there I turn I didn't get all the way around and there's this black uh, jeep or something like path a big jeep barreling towards us like not slowing down at all and so I honk to be like hi we're here please (laughs) slow down and he's not stopping. And we all, and I couldn't move because there was a ditch in front of us and there was a ditch behind us. And there was nothing I like, if I were the best driver, I would not have gotten us out of this jam. And we brace ourselves wow. because this guy's about to hit us. But then in the last second, he swerves out of the way and then almost hits the, the follow van and then swerves the other way without. Without slowing all, without slowing down at all, and just keeps driving. Really? It was the scariest shit ever. Like everybody in the people were literally crying in the back because nobody's wearing. There are no seats there, so there are no seat belts. Like if we had what? been hit, I would have been fine because we would have been T-boned. I, Ruby and I would have been fine because we're also both wearing seat belts. But everyone in the back would have been very, very hurt. Was he like, what was it with him? Was he blind? Oh, no. <laughs> what happened? We didn't know until we got back to home base. Some cops came over and said, have you seen a black man? And the AD was like, yes. And the cops let the AD know that there was a black van that had been shooting at the police. They had a shootout. And then the oh van my God. drove away. That was the same. Because I was like, what's wrong? I was like, maybe he was drunk. Like, yo, he saw me. I was honking. Like, he had to see me. He did not slow down. He had to see us. And I didn't understand until, oh, right, they were running from the cops. That makes all the sense in the world now. <laughs> that's, that's, you need to put that in your memoirs. That's... <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I already wrote my book. See? <laughs> Things come. I'm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you survived <laughs> from that. <laughs> yeah. Just um, before we, before you go, Gabby, um, I'm going to run you through 10 questions now, and you can't think about them. They've got to be straight off the cuff. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> if you could buy any type of food right now, what would you Hi. buy? What color is your toothbrush? Purple. If you could be any animal, what would it be and cool, why? Koala bear, because they're cute, but also vicious. <laughs> 
what is one of the things you would put on your bucket list? Um, bucket list? Bucket list, oh, yeah. Bucket list. God damn it. Everything I can think of, I actually don't want to do. <laughs> I do not want to bungee jump. I do not want to skydive. I do not want to walk up that bridge in Sydney. I don't want to do anything. Okay, so my bucket list would be a really, really great nap. <laughs> Maybe go drive home to LA, California. <laughs> Who is your favorite superhero and why? I think Superman. Maybe. Actually, no, it's Batman because he's not uh, an alien. He's not super. He's just a man with a lot of money. So technically, any of us can be Batman. <laughs> Love it. I could be. Yeah. No. I mean, no. <laughs> if you had enough money, yes. I could be the disabled Batman. You could, I mean, like, or you could be Iron Man. Like, Iron right. entire suit. Like, you can, if you have enough money, you can build a robot suit to wear. I'm doing that. That's on my vision yeah. board. <laughs> What's your favorite summer activity? Swimming. Nice. If a movie was made of your life, what genre would it be and who would play you? It would be a dramedy. Uh, <laughs> and I would play me for now. That's that's the great answer. Obvious choice. Obvious choice. <laughs> <laughs> if you could be any flavor of ice cream, what would you be and why? Dark chocolate because it's the most delicious and also it matches my skin. Oh, you're good at yeah. this. <laughs> uh, last last question: Who is your favorite cartoon character and why? <sighs> Yes, I've got her. Actually, it, there's too many because I watch a lot of cartoons. Um, I would say <laughs> Pig is an old favorite just because I always liked the idea that he he was where he wear like a very nice uh, bow tie and a jacket with no pants. And also, I thought it was interesting <laughs> because I think at the time he was the only thing on TV that I saw that sort of reminded me of anyone in real life. Because why would a cartoon stutter? And it was, and I would right, think about how right. nice it would be for little kids that did stutter, or you know, grown-ups who stuttered, to see Porky Pig and maybe see themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, Gabby, you, you, you. I don't know. When I talk to you, I feel like I've I've known you for years. You know, and and you're you're an incredible person. You inspire me, and I don't just fling around the inspire word loosely. I, I think a lot of people do and they shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> but um I think I think you're an incredibly inspirational person and you've certainly um inspired me to kind of go do what I want in life after this conversation. And um I'm really grateful for your time and I hope you get through this happy and you know I, I actually feel a lot of, of love for you and send my love to your boyfriend as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, and, and always, thank you for having me on your podcast. Thank you for having me in the story of your life. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for portraying such an incredible character. You know, you, you like you say, you made the film. Hmm. Was there a real Sam? Uh, no, the real Sam was my mom and dad. <laughs> oh, <that's sweet. laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. And they still are very much so, you know. What uh, what's next for Gabby before we go? What what what's after Empire? What's what's next? Oh, I have no idea. I assume that the world's going to end by 
Probably like Tuesday. And so I was like, <laughs> deep into the future, but like, I don't, I've, I've no idea. I've no, I wish, I mean, honestly, my next goal, my, my actual literal next goal is uh, hugging my mom. Which is so sad because she's in New York and because I, if I travel to New York and hug her, she might catch coronavirus and die. So nice. everything is fine. And um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I think for work, I'm probably going to write another book. I'm more than likely going to create a television show I'm going to write a script because I feel a renaissance coming and uh, <laughs> I would like to be a nice. part of it. And so, mm, more. Great. I, I wish you all the luck in the world. Thank you. Thank you, Asta. Shout out.